Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Well, to say that I'm excited to interview this this woman is an understatement. I am uh, thrilled beyond measure to have Victoria Fabio with me today on the Imperfect Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Victoria is the Vice President of People and Culture at Bocaria Restaurants in the New York City area. And her background in human resources, her love of people, her knowledge of culture and just the acumen that she brings to that is going to be the excitement of this interview today. So Victoria, welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. Thanks, Deb. I am thrilled to be with you. I have been tracking all of the amazing things that you've been doing and so inspiring and um, really excited about this conversation today. Well, it's quite an interesting time. So I thought, why not get that first and foremost? So you're a vice president of people and culture. So why don't we share with the listeners, what does that title mean to you? And what does that role, what do you bring to that role? So I think, you know, just a straight up answer for what does that title mean would be, you know, identifying development and growth opportunities within an organization, understanding what training opportunities are needed, and ultimately sort of being responsible for getting a culture to its optimal, maximum organizational health, where you have all the people in the right roles, all the right resources to support those roles, and the right lines of communication. Now, what do I bring to that? I mean, I think stylistically, uh, I'm, I'm not your traditional vice president of people and culture. And let's face it, you know, not very long ago, titles like mine didn't exist. People and culture. What's that? Who needs that? Um, you know, HR was uh, a field. I think when we look back, we think of people behind desks pushing papers around. And if you had an issue with benefits or um, payroll, you would go see someone in an office, but they, they didn't really have a presence. Um, they weren't out amongst the front lines. And today, I think that's very different. I think finally, um, the people function has been recognized as a strategic business partner um, for the operators. You know, my industry has been hospitality for over 20 years um, from the operations side to the people side. Uh, and I think for me, um, having the operational knowledge uh, gives me a level of credibility and trust. So it's easy for me to understand how to support 
the operations and the team in the field and understand what they need. Well, and in such an interesting time, we're on day 80 now of isolation and you and I are doing our interview today on May the 25th. And it's been interesting because I've been speaking with executives who were managing and leading teams who were already remote and that has its challenges now. But how about traditional, much like yourself, where you're not in the office now and you are leading and managing remotely? What has been some of the challenges that you've seen in both your leadership and with some of your staff that you're able to share with us today? It's been really, it's been such an experience. Uh, and I think just when everybody feels like, okay, we're in a rhythm of this new routine, there's another turn. And I think a lot of it um, is, especially in hospitality, we're so used to the face-to-face -face and the sit-down conversations and interacting with people all the time, not stuck in an office, traveling, visiting properties, interacting with the team. Um, so it's not like someone who's based in an office all the time is now just officing from home. Um, moving to sort of the Zoom life um, has been tough. While you see someone and you talk to them and you see them on the screen, um, for those of us in hospitality who really thrive on that face-to-face -face interaction, it's been really challenging. Um, and I think one of the things that's come up is you're never really sure what people's real reactions are. So an example would be if you're, in, if you're at a meeting and times are normal and you're in a conference room and you have a meeting and something came up or somebody said something or had a response, you would sort of grab them after the meeting and say, hey, you know, I, I wasn't sure how you felt about my suggestion or this idea or I noticed you, you had a reaction to this, like what are your thoughts, let's connect. There's this sense of sort of the unknown in this Zoom world um, that I think has left people feeling more unsure than they already are based on their company and their business and what's happening with the world. That's been really challenging on the hospitality side. What I've learned about my own leadership style through this um, is picking up on all of those cues and all of those challenges and all of those people-related responses that not everybody else is picking up on, it kickstarts me to make sure that I do almost what I'm calling, which I, I'm not sure how much I even like this phrase, well-being checks or just picking up the phone and not getting on a Zoom and calling someone on my team and saying, hey, how are you? What's going on? I know you're home, your husband's home, your kids are home, you're homeschooling. So really going that extra mile to actually connect and just give someone an opportunity to vent, to laugh, to cry, to just talk about what's going on that has nothing to do with work, nothing to do with the job, just to do with them. Um, and I'm grateful that I've been able to pick up on those things and, and really connect even at a deeper level with some of the people on my team than I had before. Well, you're keeping the human and human resources is what you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm such a lover and proponent of neuroscience, as you know, and I really think that 
modern science has proven that our decisions and our behaviors are really primarily driven by our unconscious feelings and beliefs and thoughts. And I almost feel that there's an assumption that leaders, and I'm, I'm throwing you in that ring, you are to be low, low, uh, logical and, and rational machines in business. And one of the, the biggest reasons I wanted to create this podcast is to, much like you're doing, let's put humans and humanity back into business leadership. Let's take that heart-centered leadership and use it as a moral compass or a guide and tap into what we have, which is this limitless power of being humanity. We're in the middle of this pandemic and I feel there's more than ever, we need heart-centered leadership, but I feel there's still an apprehension for allowance of openness and vulnerability because success is about climbing the corporate ladder and hitting that glass ceiling and being stressed out and exhausted is a form of stature. And that equates to success. Do you think we are now going to have a shift in that mentality, given what we've been going through in the last 80 days? You know, it's interesting. I certainly hope so. And I certainly think uh, that we'll be getting closer. Um, because I think that this awkward, unusual workspace and a lot, and again, Deb, a lot of what I'm, what I'm sharing with you is specifically related to the hospitality industry. But um, because it's, I think, I think some people are going to choose to move on, change industries, move along because they've now experienced their ownership, their leadership in a very different nuanced space. And if they're not heart centered, even at the very freshman level, it's none of, none of it is going to feel good. I think one of the things that leaders miss uh, about the heart-centered approach is that they'll actually be in a more powerful position than they could have imagined with the heart-centered approach. Because what's more powerful than motivating an employee to go the distance for you and your company? Because they've been so inspired by you and respect you so much, right? It's like the difference between employee satisfaction, which is someone who's happy at work, and employee engagement, which is someone who work is their life. They talk about it at home. They talk about it with their families. They talk about it on the weekends. They can't wait to get back there. They're inspired by everything that the company does. I think that's where, where these leaders miss the mark on what heart, you know, you can't fake it, but to be open to it is really something that I hope for so many leaders as we move out of this lockdown phase and back into reopening. Well, and I, I honestly think that you are ahead of the curve in what you just said, because as I just alluded, the business world needs more heart-centered leaders, and you are truly focusing on your employees 
whole self well-being and you're creating that environment of further trust and rapport and i've had leaders say to me during coaching sessions how do i look at them through zoom like i'm feeling like a zombie now you can still look a person in the eye on the computer i realize it's not the same but that person needs your untapped support and that's going to allow them to fully untap their creative genius and it's going to benefit everyone on the team because they know that you are there as that heart-centered leader have you noticed a shift with your leadership with your staff and i know that you lead without having any form of reciprocal value but do you feel your soft skills have lent a hand to give comfort to your team during this time without a doubt i mean you know my team by the way is down to uh just a couple of people right now but i consider everybody that i work with hand in hand at this point um a teammate and um it's also interesting because everybody has had everyone has had a very different reaction to what's happening in the world with covid and are at various stages of of where they sit with it whether i'm now at acceptance about what's happened with this virus i'm still very anxious i'm uncomfortable i don't know if i can ever leave my apartment again or ever work in an office again so it's interesting because with every different person you interact with you really have to realign yourself and shift the paradigm to make sure that um you're approaching it from obviously a heart-centered perspective but also understanding where they are specifically uh with work as well as with covid-19 well i love that cuz you've just led very beautifully into my next question when we were talking before we uh started the interview we were talking about listening and attentive listening how do you really listen to someone is part one of my question and then how do you listen during a difficult time like the middle of a pandemic yeah it's interesting so how do i listen um you know an exercise i learned a long time ago uh years and years ago was i would always get caught in um listening to figure out what my response would be and i i very quickly realized that was not effective listening um so really clearing myself out of any i know exactly what this person's going to say any stories go and 9 out of 10 times when people come to talk to me i already know what they want to talk about because a lot of my listening is done in observing behaviors um and i can see when teammates aren't thinking the way they should or when a team isn't functioning the way they should or when there may be some issues this person isn't showing up the way they normally show up something must be going on let's dig a little deeper so um i would be surprised if i'm surprised by what someone has to say but always just really trying to focus on listening understanding everything um and making sure that the person that's talking to me feels like they've been heard 
such a huge, huge lesson because people want to listen thinking they need to process that response. And when we're able to really sit back and just listen, you hear what's really going on. And it's such a great segue because we can have business acumen and management competency in all that we say and all that we do, but the motivation or the action or the behavior really comes from the leadership skills that we foster. So in just doing what you said, the attentive listening, you can say or do, and we can use the example of listening, but if we really foster the impact of leadership, we're really motivating people. So how do you see the segue between your background, which is solidly human resources, and marketing departments? How do you see them coming together in the future, that post-COVID-19 curve, to, yeah. really, to really promote what you were talking about with well-being. How can we break down that wall of resistance? So it's interesting. Um, I think. Look, I think COVID has broke down the wall to a certain degree because I can say, um, you know, I've, I've been working closer than ever with marketing um, currently than I ever have at any other company or any other job, just strictly in, you know, communications, um, internal communications, communications to employees that have been furloughed or laid off, um, communications regarding what we're sharing with guests. Um, I think that is sort of something organic that COVID has driven. I think, um, companies that have stayed afloat, the key team members that they've kept on board that are still working together um, are now working together much more closely than they would have been um, and learning more about each other's disciplines. And seeing, you know, much like in my past working in disability management, really again, bridging the gap between that department and HR, I now see HR really aligning with marketing for that reason going forward. And with the outcome being the well-being of employees. So my disability management hat's kind of been on and off in the last 80 days. And you talked about your fear of leaving your apartment. You talked about your apprehension of going back into the office. What do you foresee as we start the return to work cycle with companies? Do you think people are going to want to leave remote working to go back into the office? Because I'm almost seeing a shadow of... An onset, uh, an onset of short-term disability claims because I think there's a lot of fear in the air. How do you think employers and employees are going to handle what's coming? I think it's interesting because, especially in hospitality, where restrictions will be lifted very gradually. Um, in a lot, in a lot of cases, you have more employees uh, than you can actually bring back. 
right? So employees are waiting to come back. If you're only opening to 25 or 50% capacity of what you used to be open, then you're not going to be able to bring people back. We've experienced um, some people saying, I definitely want to come back, just not now, and really following whatever city, we're in DC, Chicago, and New York, following sort of the city and the state guidelines as to what phase um, restaurants, hotels, and bars can reopen in. I think that it's tricky. I think some people are really dying to get back to work uh, and others, not so much. And I think frankly, specific to hospitality, a lot of people have made the shift to leave the industry, um, especially those with you know young children or just starting their families or maybe with some health issues. Um, if something like this were to ever happen again, I think we've seen the destruction. Um, and I think moving forward, there's going to be this um, sense of health and hygiene and well-being. And when you think about a hotel or a restaurant or a bar, um, even with PPE and restrictions, there's a lot of social interaction. And I think some people will make the shift to find another industry. Um, and I think people that work in offices, I've, I see it all the time every day on LinkedIn. I'm sure you see it. Companies coming out with these big statements saying, we've made the decision. We're allowing our people to work from home till the end of 2020. And I think that's great. And if that works for people, that's amazing. I think one thing that is happening, it's forcing companies to be nimble uh, that are not used to being nimble. Um, and in general, I think that's always a good exercise to have to shift, to have to pivot, um, figure out new models, see what works for you, um, and really get creative with this. No, I agree. I, I think we're going to have a myriad of uh, decisions. And I think it's going to be sector driven. And it'll certainly be interested to see. I'm hoping with the announcements that many companies will wait till the end of the year, that that'll slow down or pause a second wave of COVID. And uh, all yes. we can do is hope. So For sure. does Victoria look in the mirror and know who she is? Without a doubt. And do you think knowing who you are, that that organically gave you the leadership skills to become and continue to be a heart-centered leader? Over time, I think it's been sort of an organic shift for me. Um, seeing what works and what doesn't work and experiencing myself what works and what doesn't work, what motivates people, what doesn't motivate people. Um, you know, watching brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people just with no idea of how to lead people. It's just a tragedy to watch. Um, but, you know, the heart-centered approach is not something that I believe is in everyone's DNA. 
um, you know, telling the truth is very difficult for a lot of leaders. You know, trusting your people to do the right thing. You know, you want to trust, but are you micromanaging them? Are you all over them? You know, you have to be able to relinquish control, which is another big one. And as leaders, we don't have it anyway. And if, and if leaders aren't aware that they don't have it anyway, you know, try getting anything done without your people. Right? So for me, um, I think a lot of people hear heart centered and think, you know, soft, um, people centric, you know, we have no room for emotion. Um, we don't want to cross a line. I don't want to know too much about someone's personal life. Um, something that really frustrates me, especially in hospitality is, you know, when someone shows up for you and they're clearly not their normal self, they're not their normal rock star self, knocking it out of the park, going above and beyond for a hotel guest or restaurant guest, or just, you know, something's up, they're not meeting deadlines. It drives me crazy when a manager doesn't get, let me sit down and have a conversation with this person. Something's up. This is not who they are. Like, let me go out. Let me grab a cup of coffee. Let's have a glass of wine after work and find out what's going on. There's this odd, and I'm surprised because it's quite antiquated, especially in hospitality. But every now and then I come across it. It's this odd sort of invisible cement barrier that some leaders and managers have about not really wanting to even know. I hear this phrase, I don't even wanna know, I didn't even ask, I don't even wanna know what's going on. They started to tell me and I was like, no, 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 you don't need to tell me. Yes, they do need to tell you. And you do need to know what's going on in their lives. Because if they're going through a divorce, or if they have a sick child, or if they have some personal issues, it will, sh it will explain to you and reveal to you why they're presenting in the way that they're presenting and it will enable you to connect with them and maybe expect less lengthen some deadlines give them a little bit of wiggle room and help them versus no communication no connection and still expecting them to knock it out of the park but you have no idea what's going on with them I think for me, I've never been afraid to connect with whether it's my team or someone else in the company on a personal level um, and on a human level. And nothing makes people want to connect with you more than when you share something about yourself, right? So, so that sort of gives you credibility and some trust. Oh my God, they've gone through this in their life. Like, wow, they've trusted me with this information. It doesn't have to be something earth shattering, like you've been to jail or, you know, <laughs> you've done something terrible, but that you've experienced things. Oftentimes leaders are looked at in this weird box, like they're almost not even human. And I think that where that disconnect happens is is when people don't connect sort of on that not work, you and me, face-to-face, -face, 
what's going on. I can tell something's happening with you. It's, it's the number one thing to being a person, whether you're evolving a friendship, being a heart centered leader, doing your first sales call. If you do not have a connection with that person, it, it halts anything going forward. So beautifully said. What would be your top three heart-centered characteristics without thinking that you possess? Yeah. I think one uh, that's really rang true for me uh, recently is taking care of my whole self, physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. Because if I'm not at my best and not really taking care of me, then I can't really embrace or support or lift up anyone around me. Um, I also think you mentioned looking in the mirror. I definitely uh, am at a good place with my own character flaws. I know what I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses, um, and I know when my strengths serve me best. And I know when my weaknesses don't serve me best. And I'm very humble about that. Um, and I'm open and I, and we'll talk about that in an open forum with people that work for me. Um, and I think I really, really am passionate about taking care of the people that I'm responsible for not the other way around. And I think that a lot of leaders get that twisted. Um, I feel a responsibility to look after, to lead, to develop, to grow, to support the people that I work with. Um, I am not looking for them to do that for me. Now, organically in a good team that will happen they will support me and I will support them, but my, it is my aim, my goal um, to serve the people that I'm managing and I'm leading. Well, that was beautifully said. I, uh, I want to finish the podcast by saying uh, it's, it was such a delight to talk to you. I, uh, I'm honored that you accepted the invitation you truly are a demonstrated and exemplary heart-centered leader, which I'm glad you are out there, especially in the hospitality industry. And I can't think of a better person to be on the, the front lines to get her people through this trying time. So I want to finish with what I call the Fab Four. So I'm going to ask okay. you. I'm going to ask you four questions. These are those fun, no think questions. Just the first thing okay. that's, that's sitting right there. What's your favorite season and why? <laughs> it's supposed to be quick, right? Um, I'm going to say I love the fall. I love it because it's well, it, it's supposed to be sort of that gentle swing from the really hot weather to that cooler weather. I love fall clothing. I love to layer a little bit. Um, and I just love fall in New York City. Um, so yeah, fall, I would say. Oh, I have to agree. I am the same. I'm fall. And I have been in New York City in the fall and it is beautiful. 
You're in the hospitality industry, so I have to ask you this next question. What's your favorite wine? <laughs> um, you know, it depends on the time of year. We're about to head into rosé season. <laughs> That's right. Um, yes. Um, so I love rosé in the summer and, and white wine, but I do in the winter love some, some full-bodied reds, um, a nice Barolo, um, a nice Pinot Noir. I'm really a seasonal wine person. It really depends on the weather, and I'll let you know you know, what we're going to drink that night. If it's a little chilly and rainy, it'll likely be a red. If it's sunny and crisp, maybe a white. And if it's a hot summer day, definitely a rosé. Well, we're, we're two for two here. Wine has to change I love that. the season, right? Yes. What, what makes you happy? Why is there a pause after that? <laughs> um, what makes me happy is um, feeling like I make a difference. And this is not really about work, just in general. Um, feeling like my relationships are the real deal, meaning there's no bullshit. Like whether it's friendships, um, whether it's intimate, feeling like we're on the same page, lockstep, if we need to have a difficult talk, we're going to have it. Like there's no surprises, sort of a sense of calm around the people in my life, relationships, you know, work, all of it. Like everybody knows where they stand, how I operate, how I function. I understand how they do. Um, so I guess it's a sense of being settled uh, in relationships um, across the board. Well, that's a good place to be. And number four, we all have a vice. What's yours? <laughs> I mean, bravo. <laughs> Bad TV. I do love some reality TV, but uh, um, you know, my, my obsession with fitness, while it's always good to try to be in shape and be healthy and work out. I think sometimes it's a little bit of a mental um, back and forth. Um, it's purely psychological. If I don't get one in, I'm just not right. But I do think sometimes there's some of that that I can temper a bit. So while it's important to work out and be healthy, I also think it is a little bit of a vice because I use it um, in a lot of ways that it's probably not meant to be used. Um, and I wind up overworking out and sort of injuring myself, you know, like it's where it becomes, it's not happy. Like I'm so frustrated. So I'm going to go work out. That might be a little bit of advice. Well, I want to, uh, gratefully thank you again for, for being on the imperfect podcast and I want to leave you and our listeners with four things that I think are really important for life and to be a heart-centered leader. Follow your heart. Have passion. Do your best. And know your truth. Because when you know your truth, you will always be in love with the journey. So this is Deb Crow with the Imperfect 
podcast with heart-centered leader, Victoria Fabio. Have a great day, everybody.